The following is offered by Discerning Hearts, a 501c3 nonprofit Catholic apostolate dedicated to spiritual formation through the use of new media. To download this selection, or to browse hundreds of other programs, or to contribute to our mission with a charitable donation which is fully tax-deductible, visit our website at discerninghearts.com. Hey, I would really hope that everyone is preparing for Advent and is preparing for Christmas comes to more deeply than ever before recognize and realize that I am Christ in the world today. But that's not going to happen to anyone, me or you or anyone, unless we take time for silence and solitude, an interior journey. We have to go into that area of the need to become aware of what God sees in us. I think all of us need, because of the way that we have been so geared, the way we have been so distracted in our, in our lives and in a modern society, that even the ones who are in the deepest monasteries, the ones who are, who are furthest away, where are we going to find a place where we can go into that solitude, the silence, and the aloneness with God so that we can truly see ourselves as he sees us? The silence to hear, as Mother Teresa used to say, the silence of the eyes. When, when we're around people, we're to, so aware of others around us to be able to go into that inner self so that I can really and truly see what God is seeing. I am who God sees me to be. I am not who others say I am. I am not who I think I am. I am in my deepest self, who he sees me to be. We are entering into this Advent season, and I'm 88, and whatever you may be in your 50s or in your 20s or in your teens, you are, from the first moment of your creation, seen by God. Without that interpenetration of your being in the, in the deepest part to recognize and begin to see what Psalm 139 was talking about. I knit you in your mother's womb. This world that has such a difficult time to see the unborn as created by God. Who was I? when I was in my mother's womb, nine months before I came into this world, when that particular egg of my mother was fertilized by that particular seed from my father, God blew into me a spirit which he created. And he took this matter 
and this flesh and breathe into it my soul. God made me. I knit you in your mother's womb. I created you. And I watched you with infinite love. Each and every human being in this world is created by God, is sustained by God. Every breathing moment, every passing day, I am continued in this world by God with every experience. Just as when God wanted in this season in which we think about God, God himself sent his only begotten son, the second person of the Trinity, to take on flesh like mine and allowed his son to become a human. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The mystery of that love for me, all with the intention of creating and saving and redeeming me, whom he sent to take flesh, who suffered, who died, and who rose, went back to heaven, and in his divine plan sent the Holy Spirit, all with me in mind. What infinite madness of love that I can begin to contemplate the truth of my being until I realize this in the depths of my soul, in the quiet of my heart, that he did it for me, how am I going to be able to teach, to proclaim and show that he did it for you? Once I begin to see the miraculous, unbelievable love that he had for me, not just for everybody. How can I say that he had it for everybody unless I go deeply into my own, my own depths of how could you possibly do this for me? Me, the nobody, the nothing that I am. All of us have within us this deepest sense of nothingness. When we wake up, no matter if you are a billionaire and you're listening to me, there's moments when you recognize that you are nothing of yourself. We all have this inherent self-doubt, this awareness that there is nothing, no matter who I am or how I become deluded by those around me, to become so deluded, as deluded as a man like Hitler or as deluded as a man like Stalin could ever become in their madness, to not recognize that God sent his only begotten son to save Stalin, to save 
Hitler to save Judas. Every human being. There is no one that's outside the pale of divine love. So that when I, this particular Advent, this particular time, come to recognize in silence, in solitude, in the depths of my being, that God sent his only begotten son. What is he going to save me from? A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. One day, as Jesus was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there, and the power of the Lord was with him for healing. And some men brought on a stretcher a man who was paralyzed. They were trying to bring him in and set him in his presence. But not finding a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on a stretcher through the tiles into the middle in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, As for you, your sins are forgiven. Then the scribes and Pharisees began to ask themselves, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who but God alone can forgive sins? Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them in reply, What are you thinking in your hearts? Which is easier, to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the one who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your stretcher, and go home. He stood up immediately before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home glorifying God. Then astonishment seized them all, and they were glorifying God. And struck with awe as they said, We have seen incredible things today. Today, there's this poor paralyzed man who's being lowered into the presence of Jesus who came into this world. And that interpenetrating glance, as here we are, paralytic, all of us, with regard to our sinfulness. And he looks into the depths of our being and he says to each of us, my daughter, my son. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Who is he that has the power to forgive sin? No one but God can forgive sin. Yes, that's who I am. I have come to look into the depths of my soul, to see me as God who created me, sees me and says, you are this valuable to me that I would send my only begotten son to suffer and to die on the cross to redeem you. And I, this Advent, right now, will send him to be with you to be present to you at this time, in this place, in this moment. And so when you are at mass, my beloved, and you are saying to me, I confess to Almighty God 
and to you, my brothers and sisters. It's not so much that you're looking around at all those around you, but today I would like to encourage everyone in this Advent journey on this Monday of this second week of Advent to go into the depths of your being and not only to see your nothingness, but as you say at Mass, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault, and has his penetrating eyes of love look upon you, he is saying to you, I forgive you all your sins. My child, your sins are forgiven. And to hear that, who are you? I am Jesus, who died on the cross to save you from your sin. Who are you? I am your father, who is sending my son to be with you, and to die for you, and to shed his blood for you. Who are you? I am the Holy Spirit who's leading you down into the depths of your nothingness and clarifying to you your wretchedness and your sinfulness so that you're going to be able to say in all truth, I have sinned in my thoughts. Who can recognize that? And how can you come to an awareness of that? only through the Holy Spirit. In my words, Holy Spirit, are you the one who's getting me to see the wretchedness of my speech? In your words, in your actions, in the things you could have done and didn't do, these revelations are gently being revealed to you through the power of the Holy Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit can convince us, not accuse us of our sins in silence, in solitude, in the quiet and depths of your own heart. Today, on our Advent journey, I ask you to take the time, some time today to go quietly by the power of God, the Father, by the power of Jesus, our Savior, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. She who has been preserved from sin is interceding for you. She who never sinned whose feast day is going to be celebrated on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. She is interceding for you right now in a special way during this week, Mary. And so today, what's on my mind and what's on our hearts to preach and teach in this Advent season, 
to the people who are coming to this retreat that we are going to be giving here in Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania. And all of you who are listening to this podcast, I invite you to go to some time and place of solitude and silence so that you can hear these words. Your sins are forgiven in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And through the intercession of the immaculate, stainless heart of Mary, may God call you forth this week, today, to examine your conscience and become aware of your sins and to listen to the voice of God. Your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Monsignor, there are many out there who are going to really welcome that invitation to the silence, to the solitude, to have that time to be able to listen, as you've spoken of, and to be able to have that experience. But there will be many who have experienced that in the past, and for whatever reason, whatever they experienced was maybe too much. And they may not even realize it, but they avoid it because of fear. Because what might be revealed to them is something that causes pain or challenges them to enter into an area that they just don't want to go to. I think first the experience of fear of God is really you have a completely mistaken notion of God and his love. Uh, this, This scene today that's in the gospel of that quiet glance between the loving Jesus and the soul of that paralyzed man, what was that glance? That man realized that my paralysis may be what everyone else sees, but what you see is whatever that sack of pus is in my soul. The sinner knows what he's running away from, that sin. And it's because most of the time, the ugliness of him looking at himself. I'm convinced of this, that when I most look at myself, It's that which I hate most about myself that I don't want to look at. And when our Lord allows me to see what it is that I want to avoid about myself, and it's that which is so beautiful to him, I invite every sinner to look at the face of God who made you and ask him, Let me see what you see in me. That which you're running away from, 
is that which he sees as maybe the most beautiful part of you. What you might be trying to do in your self-reliance or self-condemnation, those two deep wounds of the human psyche. So many of us don't like ourselves as we really are and are running away from who we really are. That's why it takes the solitude. What did God do with this man who was so distracted, he paralyzed him. He wasn't able to move. And when you're lying there, unable to move and can't run anymore, then you have to be you have to be still. It's like God takes you and freezes you. That's what he's been trying to do. There's a story of the, the man who was a poet, Francis Thompson. He keeps hounding and pounding and going after the sinner. And finally he discovers what it is that he's most afraid of. And when he finally turns around, there is the God who has loved him all his life. I would say the fear that most of us have is the fear that we will come to discover the nothingness of who we are. And that's the beauty of what God sees in us. Child, it isn't for what you can give me. I made you so that I can love you. Love is that from which many, many of us run. The love of God is really what we will find and discover, our own beauty. I am beautiful to him, not for what I can do, but for who I am. Who are you? I am God's daughter. I am God's son. Just let me look at you, God is saying. Let me look at your beauty. God himself longs to see your beauty as you are. And what am I in the eyes of everyone else? No, what am I in the eyes of myself? No, who am I in the eyes of God? That's what I will discover. If you have been running away and afraid, of what you'll look and find. You are a unique, specific creation of God in such a way that you are his daughter, such as no one in the world has ever been before you. He will never remake anyone like you. If you fail to become who you are, Monsignor, many people who may be listening to this are involved in service to the church, service to God, and they feel they have a loving relationship with him, so much so that they want to serve him, and they serve him so much 
whether it's in church, uh, in, in society, in their business, that they're doing so much for him that they almost find that they don't have time for this. But that's okay. That's a sacrifice they're willing to make because they are doing it for him. And because of that, they find they don't even have the time to take that block, to have that silence and solitude, which you've spoken of. Yes. So many are putting mission ahead of identity. Who I am is more important than what I do. And I have met so many priests and bishops and people, mothers and fathers and people, just people, who what I do is what's so valuable. And that's not, that's a lie. It's who I am. And it's the relationship that I have with God that is first, that gives me my identity. I give a little formula that often is taught, and especially to seminarians and priests, it's so valuable because they're the ones who got mixed up in what you're saying most. But at catechists, parents, so many else, they, they put mission ahead of relationship or I, identity, M, mission. If you don't put relationship and identity before mission, you soon will dry up and there'll be nothing left to give because of yourself you have nothing. And if you don't maintain the relationship with your father in the identity as a child, as that is really the most important that, that you can maintain. Yes, many, many people get lost in that. And that's why they really can't stand the quiet of, uh, that's, that's the silence that you have to be brought back into to reestablish the relationship with your father and your identity as his daughter and his son. Who I am is much more important than what I do. In order to come to discover that and recognize that, I must, must take the time to be quiet, to be silent, and to be in solitude. I love the final thought to be that of Mother Teresa, who talks about silence of the eye. You can interiorly, your eyes can be that which keeps you noisy in the things around you. Silence of the ear. Even when you go interiorly, you can become so distracted. Silence of the heart. The noise, not just of the exterior. You can get into a place that's quiet, but still you might be constantly bombarded with thoughts and plagued with feelings and, and obsessions and emotions that keep you in your heart from any kind of quiet. It takes time to be quiet. It takes time to be silent. God bless. You've been listening to Building a Kingdom of Love, Reflections with Monsignor John Essif. 
To hear and or to download this program or to browse hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit DiscerningHearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax deductible, to support our efforts. But most of all, we pray that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com.